Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 51 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hey there, college football fans and Husker fans. That's right. Uh, you might have noticed that uh, there was a two-week gap between uh, our past episode, episode 50, uh, that we did with AJ Schmitz, and then this one. Um, that's because there's actually a lost episode of... of uh, College Football Throwdown. Um, last week, I was back home in Traverse City, Michigan, and we did a podcast with myself and my sister, Emma, um, where we talked about the Purdue game and the first round of the college football playoff um, rankings and all that stuff. Um, but unfortunately, we had a technical issue with the audio of that one uh, that made it so it couldn't be released. Um, so we're going to kind of real quick go over some of the stuff of that, about the Purdue game and our predictions before we dive into the Northwestern game against Nebraska, as well as all the stuff that's gone on in the wider world world of college football. Sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. Let's get to it. All right. Well, to kick us oh, off, I believe you have a, a beverage yes. for us. I do, and I and I didn't pre prematurely open it yet either, so that's even better. Okay, here we go. We're going to celebrate the uh, your alumnus, your uh, alma mater's victory tonight. Ohio U and the Fighting Frankies. There you go, buddy. Cheers to Fighting Frankies. There we go. Good old Frank Solich, former Nebraska coach there at Ohio mm-hmm. University, doing good work. Doing really good work this year. Eight and two, you said. Yeah, looking good. Might go to the MAC championship. That'd be fun. That's right. All right. Um, so, uh, yes, talking about that Purdue game. Um, that was one that I uh, I I did not watch the the uh, game. I was listening to it because I was moving that particular Saturday, um, but I listened to the whole game on the radio. Um, and you were actually there in person at the game, um, so you got. I was along with my brother uh, and a few other uh, friends, and um, and we had a great time. I tell you, uh, uh, Purdue is is really one of the uh, better. Um, spots for RV tailgating just in terms of the overall arrangement that they have there is really quite nice and very affordable. Um, they're not out gouging you like some of the other Big Ten schools that we've experienced. And, um, um, and you know, it's, it's a nice, decent walk to the stadium and, and that sort of thing. So pretty decent setup. Now, if only, you know, the, 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 the crowd and the environment was attractive, which it was not. <laughs> <laughs> it was a game between two average teams, and there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm or energy in the in the crowd. Even though it was a night game, it was pretty flat for both teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there was. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of uh, home support for Purdue, so uh, it seemed like no. you know Nebraska had a disproportionate amount of seats compared to you know being the away team or whatever. Right, uh, there were uh, a decent number of Nebraskans there, although I think. Clearly, fewer Nebraska fans there this 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 go around than the previous uh, uh, two games that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so yeah, that that was an interesting game to listen to, to say the least. You know, uh, lots of disappointment. You know, listen to us just fail totally on offense, even while our defense is doing a good job of stopping Purdue. But then at the very end, to hear um, the the announcers on the radio, you know, going over this amazing drive you know with tanner lee 
uh, managing to score with under two minutes, you know, getting the touchdown to win us the game there at the end. Um, I thought that showed some uh, grit in our team, you know, that they weren't going to just uh, give up. Um, and Tanner played quite well in that game. I would say the best of the whole season for him. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. But, and yet, uh, again, um, I, I'm, I'm feeling like a bit of a broken record, but it, it, it has to be said that uh, this is a team that probably at least has won a couple uh, more games at this point in the season, maybe even three additional games out of the five that we've now lost um, could have been avoided if our coaches just called a slightly different uh, game plan. And that's the part that's most frustrating to me is I, I think we have the talent that our record should, you know, reflect that, but it doesn't because uh, we, we called a, uh, some really crappy games. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're going to be talking about more of that. I'm um, going over our predictions for the Purdue game. Um, we had one prediction um, from uh, way before the, the game um, two weeks ago, because that was, we had the bye week in between. At that one, yeah. I, I predicted uh, a Nebraska victory of 28-27, so a one-point victory, uh, whereas you at the time, you predicted Purdue winning 35-21. Uh, but then on that podcast with AJ, you revised your prediction to say a 31-24 victory for the Huskers, which AJ also said he brought his information to the table uh, in terms of how he thought we had better matchups against their players and all that. Uh, and in the end, uh, Alex ended up being right, being the closest, uh, being the <laughs> with the one point victory of the actual score of twenty five twenty four for Nebraska. So that's true, yeah. that's true. But again, uh, there were some drop passes in that game. Uh, we were basically right in line for a for a touchdown and and a mm-hmm. a, a wide open right in the hands pass to uh, 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 Pearsonell. Uh, Pearsonell and he drops it, you know. Yep. And there are a couple of other drops in there that I really think right. that the, the 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 score should have been a little higher on True. our end on that. That's what was so frustrating right. about the game. A Purdue fan though would say that they suffered the same fate because they had some big drop balls as well. Yeah, that is true. So they definitely helped us. Stakes on both sides, um, but then we hit this Northwestern game um, in which I was also back home. Right. Yep. Right. This was the one we were back home for um, because a friend of mine got married. And, of course, he did the thing that you hate, Dad. He got married on a football Saturday. Um, so yes. I, I, couldn't, yes, I... I couldn't be following the game much, but I was, uh, during the reception, uh, getting the updates of the play-by-play on my phone. So I was just following it through that, um, which was you know a different way to experience the game, but I've done that in the past. Um, and I saw, you know, that we were, uh, you know, uh, keeping with him, you know, it, the, the scores was pretty close throughout the game. Although, um, you know, seeing, uh, us throw an interception so early in the game and then they threw an interception on the, the drive right afterwards. I was like, Oh boy, it's going to be one of those kinds of games. That's the feeling I got. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and uh, you know, there were moments in the third and early fourth quarter where I felt like, okay, we're, we're about ready to to take control of this game. And then of course we don't. And again, at the end of the game in a, in a, in a, in a period in a drive that was very critical with just a few uh, minutes left in the game, 
uh, N- Nebraska is in a position where they're they're 10 yards, they're one first down away from getting in the field goal range. They're beyond uh, you know the 50 yard line, ready to ready to put the stake in the heart a little bit to get a two score lead, et cetera, et cetera. This is in the fourth quarter, and uh, uh, and, and we've got first and 10 on their side of the ball or their side of the 50 rather, and and all we have to do is is get that first down. And instead of trying to do everything they could to just, you know, uh, put together a combination of running plays and short pass plays that would get us the 10 yards or certainly get us to a third and one or two so that we could put ourselves in the best position to to, you know, have our full playbook available to us on that third down. What do they do on first down? They throw the ball into the end zone, which, of course, is incomplete. Um, Not quite the end zone. It was like the two yard line. But the point is they throw it all the way down the field. Um, and, and then after having a decent second down run, uh, we've, we end up in a, in a circumstance where we're, uh, you know, third and, and like five. And again, uh, we, we, we don't get the first down. And because of that, uh, and, and those, those choices of plays, you know, again, we end up punting the ball to them when we should have been kicking a field goal. Uh, we have a great field goal kicker. Why our coaches weren't thinking in those terms, I do not know. And our coach had already gone for it on some fourth downs, had already been aggressive, uh, you know, earlier in the season even. Why would he not have seen the importance of that moment in time to to put himself and, and call plays with, with the knowledge that they were going to go for it on fourth down? Just get as close as you can and then let your field goal kicker win the game for you. No, he punts the ball. It just it's that kind of crap that leads to losses and that's the part that I cannot stand. I, I it, it just it's so fundamental and basic and simple that that's the part that drives me crazy. Yep. I hear you there, you know, and like you say, the fact that we have a good field goal kicker, you know, uh, it's something that you don't think about until you don't have it. That's the way I always look at it when like your your special teams is not good either in terms of your kickoff guy or your field goal kicker or your punter or your you know coverage teams or your punt returner you know once once you don't have someone you can rely on to kick like field goals in the 40s the high 30s and look in 40s and even to the 50 you know with reliability um it, it severely kind of changes the way that you can plan out a, a, a tense moment like that when you're getting that red zone range so yeah that's a that's a frustrating moment for Mike Riley for sure. Um, I have some stats pulled up here from the game, which I thought were rather interesting. Um, Northwestern, um, we actually had more time, a little bit more time of possession than them. It was thirty-one forty to twenty-one twenty, twenty-eight twenty rather, twenty-eight twenty for Northwestern. Um, but they ran eighty plays to our sixty-nine and out yarded us four hundred seventy-five yards to three hundred thirty-seven. Um, I thought that was interesting. That, wow. Uh, were they yeah. running more kind of a little hurry up at times? Uh, yes, they were definitely running some hurry up. Um, and, um, and then also they were, um, um, we, one of our scores was a pick six. Right. And so that, that added an additional um, possession for them and, uh, you know, diminished uh, a possession for us. Right. That's true. Yeah, and that, I mean, I think of all the stats, that's certainly the most important one. Uh, they had, they threw two interceptions, whereas we threw three. 
Um, so kind of a sloppy game on all sides, which is interesting to me because Northwestern is usually the type of team where they don't do anything amazing, but they just play solid fundamental football and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Um, so that was kind of surprising to me to see them uh, making mistakes like that. Right. I agree. Totally agree. And given that they didn't play that well, it makes us losing to them even that much more unacceptable and, and, and brutal when you consider the fact that uh, Northwestern came into our stadium and beat us with uh, a B-plus uh, or even B-minus kind of game on their side of the football. I guarantee you their coaches aren't looking at that game and saying that's the best game we played all season. They're looking at that game and saying, I can't believe we won. <laughs> we played so bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, some other interesting stats. Rushing yards. Um they rushed it 45 times for 232 yards, whereas we did it for 31 times for 112. Uh, they had 243 passing yards, our 225. Um, uh, uh, Tanner Lee threw the ball 38 times, completed it 21 times, whereas their guy threw it uh, 35 times, completed it 19 times. Um, so in terms of his completion percentage, uh, Tanner wasn't bad. But uh, his obviously the interception problem kind of came back, which disappointed me because I, like I said, I thought he played quite well in the Purdue game. Um, and uh, to see him kind of fall apart here in the Northwestern game was definitely a bummer. Right, right, I agree. And, um, you know, I, I think part of it is, is that he just gets into this mode sometimes where he decides that he's just going to throw the football no matter what, and he doesn't you know, stay focused on, on making those good decisions, you know, uh, when you need to back away and just throw the ball out of bounds and live for another day. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so last stats I'll talk about here. Um, like you said, both teams went for it on fourth quite a bit. They went for it four times and got it three times, or as we went for it three times and got it two times. Um, and then third down conversions, we were five of 15, Whereas they were one of 11, so neither team doing very good on uh, third downs. I know there was a lot of punting right. back and forth. Uh, again, great examples of the fact that Northwestern didn't have the best game, and yet they still beat us. Mm -hmm. Right. Going into overtime, you know, I, I, I was looking at the, the, the score, I remember, and I saw, okay, it's going. Cause the, and then it looked like that they, they got the ball back, and... Uh, they were able to get a first down. I was like, oh, wait, are they going to you know, go for the field goal? But time ran out, so went into overtime. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I wasn't paying too much close attention at that point, but they scored on us pretty easily, and then we just couldn't get anything going, it seemed like, on our drive, and we just kind of whimpered out at the end. Yep, that's right. Yep. I would agree. And, again, we shouldn't have been in that situation. Yep. Uh, and so we're not going to talk about this too much because we've already talked about it many times on previous podcasts. Um, but is you know we're four and five right now. We're playing against Minnesota uh, next week, um, and then Penn State and Iowa to finish up the season. So personally, I would say uh, two of those are likely losses for sure. Uh, Minnesota, I feel like they're not a great team. I feel like we can beat them. Um, but Penn State and Iowa, I am definitely very concerned about. So that means I'm currently predicting a five and seven season, which is what AJ predicted you know, way back in the summertime. 
Um, so at this point is Mike Riley, you know, dead man walking unless he can like pull out the miracle against Penn State? I believe the answer to that is yes. However, um, the reality is is that um, we, 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 we need to be cautious about getting too ahead of ourselves in terms of um, you know having those conversations. I mean, I think we just need to let the season play out as you and I both expect it's going to, and then all of that stuff will take care of itself, and we'll figure out who that next coach is going to be. But our athletic director, our new athletic director is in place now, you know, he's doing his due diligence, and I guarantee you that at the end of the year, if it's a five and seven, like you say, or a four and eight or whatever, um, um, you know, then then he's going to be able to stand up at that podium and say, okay, you know, this is not an acceptable you know trend for us uh, here at Nebraska, and uh, we're going to go in a different direction. End of story. But but at the same time. You, you can't or and don't want to say that too soon because you need your players and your coaches and everybody to keep working hard till the end of the season. And you know what, uh, uh, you know, coaches you're interested in and what their situation is. You know, what bowl games are they going to? Are they currently coaching or are they already out of coaching? All those things factor into what an AD would ultimately decide. Yep. No, I definitely agree with all that. Um, we should mention what our uh, the picks were. You know, once again, this is on the podcast we recorded last week that uh, did not um, uh, get released to the world. Right. So you have to take us at our word here, but I did write them down. Uh, <laughs> I personally predicted a Nebraska loss. I predicted Northwestern would win 24-21, um, whereas, uh, Dad, you predicted uh, 28-24 Nebraska would win. And Emma predicted that Nebraska would win 24-21, whereas the final score was actually 31-24 to Northwestern in overtime. Um, So Mm. although my point spread was off, I was correct in that uh, Nebraska would lose the game. Yep, you were. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) You Got to be keeping track of that. You're so happy about that. Crazy. I'll have to go. I'll have to go back and look through all the podcasts to see uh, who who won out in the end because I feel like I've been doing better on the on the on the you picks. have on the predictions. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's truth in that. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm always happy about it, but you know. No, uh, exactly. <laughs> all right, and then also last week we talked. Like I said, we talked about the college football playoff rankings. You know, it was quite surprising seeing Georgia above Alabama and then Notre Dame being so high compared to the AP poll, whereas Wisconsin was much lower than the AP poll had them and things of that nature, um, showing how the committee is uh, looking at strength of schedule as a very important factor, which they have in the past, but this is just another reiteration of that. Um, And we had a bunch of uh, games to look forward to, a lot of good games this past weekend. Um, and some of them went as kind of predicted, but then there were some upsets as well. Um, the biggest one by far is that, uh, Iowa beat Ohio state 55, 24. I'm not sure anybody was predicting that. <laughs> no, not even Iowa fans. Uh, uh, they would have been happy with a one point victory. The way that Iowa was able to just, once the ball got rolling, they were able to just dominate Ohio state and, and frankly, how Ohio state now I think on two occasions, their two losses have has demonstrated this this Achilles heel that they have, where when they get behind, uh, then the mistakes and the lack of focus 
and things of that nature uh, tend to uh, snowball on them. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a team leadership thing. It's a, it's a little bit of a coaching thing too, but, but a lot of times it's just about your team chemistry and your team leadership. And there are times when, you know, you can uh, deal with adversity really well and you respond and, and, and you come back fighting and, and playing even better. Uh, and then uh, other teams kind of collapse under that kind of pressure. And it seems that, that Ohio State's one of those t- types of teams. They, they don't have that, that toughness, if you will, that uh, drive to, to win under all odds. They tend to fall apart when they fall behind. I think that's going to probably hurt them at least one more time uh, this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, I I think as an example of the the fickleness and the uh, temporary nature of college football, and that after the Penn State victory where they pulled it out at the very end, you know, everyone was talking about J.T. Barrett. Oh, he's back on fire. You know, he he made yep. that, some great plays in that game. Um, you know, talk about the Heisman stuff and all that again. Right. And you have exactly. this game where he threw a bunch of picks and it was really yeah. not a good day for Mr. Barrett. No, no, I agree. Uh, and, uh, and you're exactly right about the whole Heisman thing. It's just, it's just crazy how that, how that plays out. And ultimately, you know, that quarterback's going to be a key player in that whole leadership thing. So when I speak of leadership, then certainly, uh, you know, the fingers being pointed at him among some other, you know, key, key players on Ohio State's team. The other thing that was significant in that game was um, Ohio State um, had a, a, a player that got ejected, who was the, the emotional and, and, and talent leader on their team, the, one of the best defensive linemen in the country. And he got ejected on a, uh, on a um, uh, what do I want to say, Targeting? spearing targeting call and um and that changed everything about their defense uh and and that's that tells you how big a deal that that sort of stuff is when when you get an ejection like that you know nebraska's been um the victim of that on a couple of occasions and had some really ugly games as a result and i i think that's something that needs to be looked at and maybe we can discuss that at the end of the season is uh you know is that rule, although well-intended, maybe too severe in terms of how it changes the fabric of the game and, and, and can take a, a game that might have otherwise been close and make it a blowout, um, you know, uh, just because of the significance of that one player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's no. no different than an injury, but it's kind of a forced injury absence type of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, we we've talked about it in the past. And I definitely think that's something we should talk about in the future. Um, the other uh, big matchup, especially within the Big Ten, uh, was the Penn State uh, Michigan State game, and that would have yes. been a fun one to watch live. Uh, I was looking at you know I was refreshing the the ESPN app to see you know the scores of the games, um, and I saw that you know uh, Michigan State managed to keep it tied with Penn State, and then they got a field goal right there at the end of the game to win. That was definitely a surprise to me after Penn, once again, after Penn State, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, what, just two weeks ago, they were like the number two team in the country, according to AP poll, and they lose to Ohio State, and now they've lost to Michigan State, now they're out of the top ten entirely. <laughs> right, and well, and, and again, that's that mental toughness element, where you, you've got to be able to respond when you encounter a little adversity, and can you, get, you know, don't let, let one team beat you twice, and I think uh, in the in this case, 
Um, I think Iowa is guilty of, uh, excuse me, um, um, Penn State is guilty of allowing uh, the Ohio State loss to beat them twice because they did not look like the team that, you know, they've looked like earlier in the season. And, 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 and you know, give great kudos and props to Michigan State's team and their, and their coaching staff particularly who, who, you know, just basically played hard and uh, aggressively. You know, they played very aggressively. And it and it paid off for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that and it's good, definitely, to see them. You know, uh, find some success. You know, they're they're early in the season. They I think they played Notre Dame early and got killed pretty badly. Um, and so it wasn't looking great early. But then they beat Michigan and now this game. So they've had some big wins and uh, now they're uh, I think they're like twelfth or thirteenth or something like that in the. Correct. Playoff yep. rankings. Yep, they're they're right in the thick of it, you know. At this point, now they still have to play Ohio State, so that you know that that there's some things there that still need to happen for them as the end of the season grows near. But they've certainly put themselves in the conversation. Yep, and so I'm going to go through some of the other big games uh, kind of quickly here. Uh, Clemson, NC State. Clemson won 38-31, but NC State played them close. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, classic oh, rivalry tight. there. Yeah, sixty-two, uh, fifty-two. Well, stupid, stupid. No defense. Yeah, Big Twelve. I, I was. That's another one where I was refreshing the score, and it was like they'd already scored like twenty. It was like twenty-one, seventeen, or something like that in the first quarter. You know, it was like crazy. <laughs> um, and then um, this was interesting. Iowa State, West Virginia. Iowa State losing sixteen to twenty. Uh, which normally wouldn't be you know that crazy to talk about, except that Ohio State or Iowa State rather um, is you know has been beating all these big teams, and they were uh, the number one team in the Big Twelve uh, last week. Um, right, I know. So um, that God. is kind of <laughs> such a weird thing to hear, isn't it? Uh, USC, I know. USC beat Arizona forty nine thirty five. Washington State beat Stanford twenty four twenty one. Miami beat Virginia Tech twenty-eight to ten. Um, so I tell you that Washington that Washington State score is as big a surprise as as uh, uh, to me as any of the other scores. You know, uh, excluding Ohio State, Iowa. But uh, I mean, that just blows me away that Washington State, who really hasn't looked that good for a couple of weeks now, and 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 got his ass handed to them by Arizona could then turn around and beat Stanford. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And it tells tells me how upside down everything is out in the Pac-12 as well. And the Pac-12 and the Big Big Ten then uh, find themselves after that crazy weekend you just described uh, in, a, in, a, in a real predicament in terms of uh, whether or not they will be um, in the mix for the uh, four teams of the college football playoff this year. Um, because um, uh, there's there's uh, uh, only a few scenarios where it, it's it's clear uh, they have a clear path to get there. Um, you know, uh, Arizona now seems to be the the, the leader, if you will, in uh, uh, um, or Washington, um, right? You know, out there in the Pac-12. Yeah, Arizona but, lost. But, so uh, right, did, did they lose uh, this past weekend? Who yeah, did they lose to. They lost to USC. USC. Okay. So, so, but so you got all these teams 
that have one loss or two losses in that conference. And so, uh, you know, all their eggs are kind of in the Washington basket then. Uh, I mean, that team has to, I think, work its all the way, its way all the way through and win out, and then they'll probably be ranked high enough to, to get it in the mix. But similarly, the Big Ten now is looking at really their, their, their best hope would be for a, uh, a undefeated uh, Wisconsin team to emerge as the conference champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm looking, I was looking ahead at uh, Washington's schedule. Um, they still have to play Stanford and then Washington State at the end of the year, which that's a rivalry game that's going to be a big, big one for the Pac-12 for sure. Especially if Absolutely. they both keep winning. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you know, us being in the Big Ten, of course, um, that was the first thing I mentioned to you after we were talking about the games was, you know, with Ohio State and Penn State losing, now they both have two losses. So they're basically out of the discussion in terms of the national playoff, um, which means that our, the Big Ten's only hope at this point is that Wisconsin goes undefeated. Um, right. Because I think if Wisconsin were to lose one and then they end up winning the conference, I think a one-less Wisconsin probably is left out unless some other things happen, you know, elsewhere in the in the country. Because you're looking at a, you know, a, a, a Georgia, um, Alabama, you know, collision course, uh, one of which is going to be in for sure, and the other one will be on the outside looking in. Uh, for example, if Alabama were to lose in a conference championship game against Georgia, I think there's a very good chance they still would drop not that far and, and end up being that fourth team as a possibility. So you'd have two SEC teams. And then, of course, you've got whoever wins the, uh, the uh, ACC, whether it's Clemson or uh, Miami or whoever, um, you know, that's going to be a, a key player in that whole mix. And then you got a Notre Dame team now that's looking like they have a very good chance of, of being uh, highly regarded, highly ranked. If they don't, you know, lose to somebody. So, so now what do you do now? You only really only have one, one seat at the, at the dance left and it's going to have to be decided among the PAC 12, the big 12 and the big 10. Right. Well, or, I mean, this would be a crazy scenario, but like you said, what if it's Georgia and Alabama, you know, they, they give it to Alabama for having the quality loss against Georgia. If they play them close or something in the conference championship game, and then you have Notre Dame, and then uh, let's say uh, th- that means Notre Dame would have beaten Miami. So then let's say Clemson gets in. So then that's it: ACC, Notre Dame, and two SEC teams, and the three other conferences are totally left out. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. I mean, I can see some scenarios where that would play out, and uh, and all these other schools have kind of beat up on each other, and that's that's what happens when you have. When you are injecting a, you know, a talented and and highly ranked uh, Notre Dame into the mix, so now all of a sudden there's at least two schools that are going to be left out. And then if you um, you know start recognizing what Georgia's done, all of a sudden you can see, uh, given the schedule that Alabama had this year, things are going to be uh, you know a little bunched up there at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. And talking about that, you know, uh, just as this past weekend was full of good games, this new uh, week eleven is this upcoming weekend is also packed with some really big games. Um, I was listening to the XM Radio College Football Station, and they were talking about how with this 
advent of the playoff era, it's made November really exciting because, you know, every week has all these big matchups that matter. You know, you're looking right. at the dynamics of what what losses affect who in terms of the playoff race and all that stuff. Exactly. Uh, well, and that thing is that because of all these big games this weekend, you know, things are going to clear up a little bit, but then there'll be new scenarios that after all the dust settles now, now who's still in the discussion, you know, and uh, uh, the, uh, it, it's interesting. It's going to, uh, uh, then, then the whole Heisman uh, discussion is going to start coming in here in the next week, week and a half. Cause right now, a lot of the players who were thought to be at the top of that discussion have had uh, at least one less than stellar game or slower game, if you will. And so uh, they've, some people have put up some monster, monster numbers, you know, like Saquon, Saquon Barkley and, and some of the quarterbacks like, like uh, um, uh, Barrett, JT Barrett and Baker Mayfield has put up some crazy numbers, but he's also nearly lost a few times and, and his team um, has played down to its competition. Um, um, It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to get excited about, you know, his numbers when you realize that he's in the big 12 and they seem to not be playing defense out there. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And so I'm just gonna go through some of these big games because it really is a stacked weekend. Uh, We have Washington versus Stanford, uh, which I think, we that talked about it earlier. Uh, Michigan State plays Ohio State, which we mentioned. Um, yeah, that's also good. Right. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, um, which is interesting uh, given if Ohio State could pull off another ups, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. They might even be ranked higher than them probably since Oklahoma State lost Oklahoma. Uh, but I would still consider it an upset if Iowa State were to beat them. Um, Absolutely. I yeah. would agree. And then Georgia versus Auburn, big game in the SEC. Uh, mm-hmm. Iowa yes. versus Wisconsin now taking on greater importance since Iowa beat uh, uh, Ohio State, and now oh, yeah. now that eyes are on Wisconsin now for being like that that champion of the Big Ten, like we mentioned. Um, Alabama Mississippi State, um, Notre Dame Miami, very very big game. Oh, uh, huge and, game! Yeah. And then TCU Oklahoma as well. So great great weekend wow. of college football. It should be. It should be. Yay. I'm looking forward to it. Right. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, like you say, the Notre Dame factor it does make things uh, interesting because if Miami were to beat them, then Notre Dame's out of the competition. Um, and then, you know, that opens it back up to, okay, so even if two SEC teams and the ACC champ gets in, then that leaves one other spot open for the rest of the the conferences. Yeah. Yeah, it's just gonna be really crazy, mm-hmm. uh, and I could see I could see all three of them being left out. Um, I really could, <laughs> which would be un. Uh, I would it would cause that whole thing. It would cause that whole thing to blow up, and probably the conversation about having eight teams in a playoff would become uh, much more prevalent. Yes, if something like that were to play out. No, I definitely agree that that would happen. Although, so let's say we have that scenario that we just discussed, um, but where we also have like a champion from I don't know. I guess let's say Washington in the Pac-12 who has one loss but is a conference champion, you know, or TCU in the Big 12 or Wisconsin from the Big 10 that have one loss, you know, our conference champions versus Alabama who has one loss. Um, and is not a conference champion, lost their conference championship game, and having played a 
relatively, you know, lesser um, um, schedule. You know, they, they haven't had yep. as much uh, uh, you know difficulties as Georgia has in their strength of schedule. Um, that would be an interesting challenge. You know, say, you know, do you bring in one loss Alabama who isn't a conference champion over these other conference champions who have done that feat. Right. So, so there, you know, all of that's going to play out, right? Yep. Yep. No, it's going to be fun to watch and we'll talk about it here on the podcast. I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I agree with the, the folks that you were listening to on the radio that, say that you know that's one of the nice things about this college football playoff is it it definitely has changed the dynamic and the and the the extent of conversations and the number of teams that are still in it um you know it takes away some things but but uh but it also adds some and this is one of the things that it adds Mm -hmm. all right and then last thing we we'd be remiss not to talk about about um the upcoming minnesota nebraska game Yes. Um, which is at Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, that is correct. Right. Um, playing for the, the $5 broken trophy that's been resurrected. I've seen some funny pictures of yes. that. Um, yes. Which I think is fun. Um, but um, what are you thinking in terms of predictions? Of what, how do you see this matchup playing out? I know Minnesota has also uh, had a, a struggle this season. The record is not well, great. Well, yes, but 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 they played hard and 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 seemed to like the direction that their coach has taken them in. So I, I I'm here to tell you that they they smell the blood in the water uh, of the Nebraska program, and I guarantee you that that new coach is going to have that team fired up and ready to win because uh, this is one he looks at and he on the calendar now and says that's a win for me. That's a big signature win for me, just because of the Nebraska name, and uh, and so he's um, he's going to market for it, and I think uh, we're you know given our lack of fortitude that we've showed uh, in some other games, I think uh, they're going to smack us in the mouth. Uh, we're not going to respond well to it. Uh, Tanner Lee is going to throw a few picks, and wham bam, you know we're in trouble. So I am. I'm now convinced that that um, uh, we're not going to win this game, and um, so I'm going to predict uh, uh, about a 10-point loss. So let's go. Um, let's go. Um, let's go. 31-21. Minnesota wins. Okay, Minnesota 31. Okay, yeah, I was just looking through their schedule. Um, they're four and five, actually, just like we are um, in terms right. of schedule. Um, what's interesting though is they have had some, they've had some kind of blowouty losses. Like they lost thirty-three to right. ten to Michigan this past weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But but, then, but if you watch that game, but if you watch that game, uh, you know they were they they played Michigan tough for quite a while in that game. Right, and then like against Michigan State, they only lost by three. It was thirty twenty-seven. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then, then they lost to Maryland, you know, earlier in the year as well. So you know, it kind of goes back and forth there. Um, uh, just to be uh, a contrarian, um, well, and part partially to be a contrarian to create some drama here, and partially because I do think that uh, Minnesota, you know, from the little I know about them, is not that great a team. I think we are definitely more talented than them, you know, if we, you know. 
Well, I would agree. Yeah, I know you agree with that. You know, it's all about you know the play calling and our players' attitudes and all that, which right. you're right, very well may not be there. And the fact that this is an away game, so they give it a little advantage for that. Um, but I'm going to say that we're going to win this game, and then we're going to lose the next two, and we're going to end the season five and seven. That's my current prediction. Um, so I'm going to say that Nebraska wins, let's say, uh, 28-27. It'll okay. be a close, wow. close game, but I'm going to say mm-hmm. that Nebraska wins it. Well, you know, it would be nice to get that victory. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I want, I want that victory. I want every week to be a victory, but, but at the same time, I have to be realistic. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you there. All right. Um, anything else you want to say to our uh, fans before we sign off for the night? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think, I think as as fans, you know, there was even a call on some of the local radio programs and stuff to have people kind of just chill their wheels about our conversations relative to um, potential coaching changes, et cetera, et cetera. Cause the reality is that, that no one's in a position right now to act on any interest or anything like that. Cause it's just too early in the season. And, and it, regardless of who, you know, our athletic administration is, is kind of lining up as their targets uh, for a potential uh, coaching change. If in fact they're doing that, um, you know, is is something that we will have plenty of time to discuss, you know, after it happens or even after the the final game of the of the year. But it's pretty apparent we're we're not likely to be going bowling this year, and so um, you know we're going to have that whole uh, off season period to to identify that new coach and then uh, and then figure out when they're going to be able to get there and you know after their team's done with their bowl game or whatever, or is it somebody that's not coaching currently? I mean, so there's all those uh, possible variables there. Right. And this is something I just thought of. Um, you know, let's say we finish, like I said, we finish five and seven. Um, but um, uh, do, do does uh, Mike Riley, and we're not going bowling, um, or, well, I guess let, let's fine for the sake of argument. Let's say that we're six and six. So we beat West Minnesota, we beat uh, Iowa, but we lose bad to Penn State. Um, but we go to uh, you know lesser bowl. Um, does Mike Riley get fired before the bowl game, or do you think Bill Moose plays it out, or you know would if Scott Frost you know is still having success at uh, UCF, you know would he? want to leave his team, you know, when they're about to go to a prestigious bowl, you know, to come to Nebraska in that time. Nope. Hello? Yep. I'm still here. Okay. What was your question? I guess I missed I missed the <laughs> Well, I guess my my question would be, you know, A, would we fire Mike Riley before bowl season if we were going bowling? And B, would somebody like a Scott Frost or somebody who is a current head coach at like a lesser school come to Nebraska before they play their bowl game. Okay. Now I understand the question. I, I thought you were just making a comment. I apologize. Um, I was waiting for you to expound on it. (laughs) Um, I I think the answer is, I I think the answer is, is that um, if Moose is going to make a change and I believe he does, and I believe he's going to, it's going to happen after the final, regular season game after that Iowa game on black Friday, uh, sometime after that, 
there's going to be an announcement, um, uh, you know, of, of the, the firing of, of Coach Riley um, and his staff. And then it's going to be a matter of, you know, how long does it take for, or, or for uh, the athletic department to make a, a choice and arrive at a uh, commitment from another party to get the ball rolling because he's going to want to get on recruiting and all that. And if the coach that they're interested in is got a bowl game, which you would hope that if it's an active coach, they are in that situation, then, um, then that coach is going to have to decide, are they willing to wait it out or are they going to come immediately? Now, usually when you're going up uh, to a larger job, to a, a more prestigious, you know, address, you usually leave the job you're at uh, and let one of your assistants, you know, take over uh, for the bowl game, and then you immediately begin to go to work on the other staff, right? Because um, uh, you got to hire coaches, you got to get the recruiting, all that stuff. So, right, uh, I hear you there, but I'm just envisioning a scenario like, let's say, and uh, so I think this would be a good thing. Scott Frost, uh, his UCF team is undefeated, and so they're going to a, a good bowl game. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I just feel like in that scenario, you know, where your guys have done everything that they at, you asked of them and they're undefeated and they're, you know, playing in this prestigious bowl despite being a more mid-tier school, um, I feel like it, if he if he likes those kids, which I'm sure he does, then he wouldn't want to leave them hanging like that. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. And there have been plenty of coaches who, who've made the request to stick around. But the fact is, um, unless you're run, unless you're competing for a national championship or one of those really high end bowls, um, then, um, you usually should and do leave and take that new position and, and get going with, you know, you're now focused on building that program. So, uh, the other one is now in your rear view mirror immediately. Once you make the decision that that's what you want to do as a coach. Right. Yep, I hear you there. All right. Well, thank you for being on this uh, episode of College Football Throwdown with me. You know, we did a little recapping of last week as well as talking about this week. And hopefully we'll be here next week talking about our victory over Minnesota. There you go. That would be nice. I would love it. And, you know, like you say, it's going to be an interesting few months. So we'll have lots to talk about. There's one good thing. We'll have plenty to podcast about. Um, that's right so if you all there enjoyed this podcast you can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com you can find us online at uh, college football throwdown uh, you can find us on itunes by searching under that name leave us rings and reviews on there or you can go to our main website at uh, footballthrowdown.podomatic.com download the podcast there leave a comment things of that nature um so uh, we hope to hear from you And we'll be back next week to talk about that Minnesota game. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red.